Um, well, guys, if you have your Bibles, I'm in Matthew chapter 28. Uh, I'm going to start in verse 16. If you've got your digital notes, you can follow along there uh, as well. We're not going to put up the verse on the screen yet um, because I want to read this entire context and then we'll, we'll jump in. Uh, I want to warn you in advance, y'all. I've got five things to share with you this morning. I'm usually a three-point guy, and, and that takes up all my time. So I don't know how we're going to get five in, but we're going to get it done in time. I will try not to talk too fast, okay? I tried to edit this week. I tried to edit, so we'll see how this goes. Uh, this is what the Word of God says. Uh, this is what we call the Great Commission. Matthew uh, chapter 28, starting in verse six, uh, 16, it says, the eleven disciples traveled to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. Uh, it says, when they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. Uh, Jesus came near to them and said, now mind you, this is why they're doubting, this is, this is his post-resurrection appearance. Several times Jesus had told them, listen, hey, hey after I die, uh, I, I, like, I'm going to come back to life and you're going to go meet me on the mountain. And, and so, so they're there, they're seeing him, this is what's going on. Uh, it says, uh, when they saw him, they worshipped, some doubted. Jesus came near and he said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you, and remember I am with you always to the very end of the age. And uh, again, guys, there's five things I want to share with you this morning. I'm going to move a little quick, but not so fast that you can't keep up, all right? So uh, here's the first thing I want you to understand this morning, guys. It's this, uh, that discipleship, discipleship, this is what Jesus said. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. I want you to understand that discipleship, though, was never meant, it was never designed to be the final step on our spiritual pathway, okay? Discipleship was never designed to be the final step on our spiritual pathway. Um, and, and, and some churches feel that way. They, they kind of feel like the aim is, is just to make disciples. We'll talk about why that might be a mistake. Um, but here's where that, that thought process comes from is, uh, I believe, an interpretation of Matthew 28. And uh, I'll put the verse on the screen, 19 and 20, a little closer so you can see it. Uh, but there's the command. It says, Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. Uh, now, here's the deal. If you dig into the original language, which this was written in Greek, uh, and if you were to dig in deep, uh, you would find there's only one imperative. An imperative is a command. So there's actually only one command, is what scholars would say, kind of on the surface level. They go, well, there's really only one command. The command is to make disciples. Therefore, that's really the end of the church. The church exists just to make disciples. And on the surface, that seems right, because there's just one imperative, right? The problem is, that's not a great understanding of Greek. Because Greek and English are different, right? All the other things that you see there that are in bold, uh, those are participles. Uh, now, that means that, you know, that we're going to use them to describe a verb or to describe an adjective um, uh, and, and, and so, uh, or describe a noun. Um, they're not adjectives, but, but they're, they're participles. It's, it's, it's weird. Um, but in English, we deal with those differently than in Greek. Now, in Greek, for instance, baptizing and teaching are a specific type of participle that talks about how to make disciples. So you're going you're gonna to make disciples by, by uh, baptizing them and teaching them, right? Baptism, they come to know the Lord, that's conversion. So they're converted, uh, they're baptized, and then you teach them up, you disciple them, okay? Now that word go is also part of it. And again, listen, y'all are like, why are we talking about Greek, okay? Because here's why. I think this is part of the church DNA, why some churches think that the end of the goal is just discipleship. But the problem is, 
Uh, see, some people would say it's not a command. It's just as you're going. That's not, the only command is to make disciples. But here's the deal. That's a misunderstanding because, listen, this is called, this is very technical, ready? It is called a participle of attendant circumstance. There you go. You learned something new today. All right, go in the Greek is a participle of attendant circumstance, which means that it automatically, it takes upon it the imperative of the command it's attached to. Meaning that go is also a command. And guys, what that means is that the end of the church is not discipleship. That's just one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is go. Right? And so, if we only exist to make disciples, then the church just exists to make its own people better. But that's not why God sent His one and only Son to die to establish the church. He, he did that so that the church would change the world, not just its own people. Otherwise, the church would have only been 120 people. Everyone else would have gone to hell. Alright? It's tough, but it's true. So, so listen... Both have to be done. So yeah, we got to make disciples, but that's not the end of our journey because as we make disciples, those people that we make into disciples are meant to go. And they're meant to then do what? Make disciples. It's, it's about multiplication. It's constant. So you've got to have this constant battle. Otherwise, we exist just to make our own people better. And listen, we do want to make your life better. We want to make your marriage better. We want to make your your parenting better, we, we want to make your finances better, we want to help you in life, we want to uh, make your love for God better, we, we absolutely want to make your life better. But we do that so that you can go be a light in the world. So that people that don't know Jesus will hear that He's the reason your life has been changed. It was through His church that His one and only Son died for, that your life was changed. And, and you believe their life is meant to be changed too. So there is a reason for our church. There's a reason the church exists. So discipleship was never meant, never designed to be the final step on our spiritual pathway. That's the first thing. Second thing, I would say this to you guys, is that as the church uh, does that job of discipleship, uh, the needs within the church increase. Okay? As the church makes disciples, the needs within the church automatically increase. So if you're doing it right... Uh, you, you add to your number. And, and we can go back in history at how when the church was born and kind of follow this, right? So remember, 120 people are waiting as Jesus instructed for the promised Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost. They speak in tongues. The people think they're, drink, uh, they're drunk. But they're speaking in known languages of Jews gathered from all over the world that are there. Uh, and, and they think they're drunk. Peter stands up and says, we're not drunk. This is the promised Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus promised it when, you know, he ascended into heaven. He ascended into heaven because you killed him, you sinners. Uh, repent. And they're like, oh, they were pricked to the heart. 3,000 people saved that day. So the church begins, 120. The very first day of the church existence, it grows to 3,120. The second time Peter preaches, another 2,000 are added to the number. So we're at 5,120, not including the daily additions that Scripture calls for. And so what happens, when you get to Acts chapter 6, the church has grown so quickly that so have the needs in the church. And, and so um, 
Um, we call them here opportunities. Y'all, we're in a season of opportunities. That's another word for problems. Uh, but, but there you go. Season of opportunities at FBCE right now. And so with the growing church come new opportunities, new needs. And so this is what we read in Acts chapter 6 verse 1. It says, In those days, as the disciples were increasing in number, the, there arose a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews against the Hebraic Jews that their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution. So two groups of Jewish people, all Jews, right? These are Jews early on that are being converted, right? Not converting a lot of Gentiles at this point. These are Jews. So one group of Jews is called Hellenistic. That means that their primary tongue at that point was Greek, all right? So they're Greek-speaking Jewish people, and then you have the Hebrew-speaking Jewish people. And there's a conflict. As the church grows, it seems that the Greek-speaking uh, widows are, are just overlooked in the daily distribution. So they're coming to the apostles going, hey, you 12 guys got to take care of all of this stuff. So 12 pastors, uh, if you could imagine that, uh, with 5,120 plus members, not going to go well. Right? It's not going to go well. Spread thin. And they're like, like we can't make sure that every single person... And they're like, we, we, can't, we can't keep trying to uh, teach. Or do so so they're, they're like, listen, find us seven men full of the Holy Spirit. And, and they, they create this position of deacon in the church. Deacon. Just men full of the Holy Spirit. And so here's what I'm going to say to you is, just like that happened in the early church, so it happens today in, in the modern day church. As churches grow... Needs increase within the walls of the church. It, it's going to happen. And, and so for everyone that says, man, I'm all in. I am on board. I want to see this church that we're building. I want to see it full. I want to see families transformed. I want to I see marriages saved. I want to see kids baptized. Man, I want to see uh, God do a great movement in Elgin. That's awesome and I appreciate you saying it. But you got to know as the church grows, so will the needs within the church. And we can't idly sit by and go, well, hey, I'm all for that. Because that's not really being for that. All right? And so, so that's, that's where we, 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 we start. Discipleship never designed to be the final step. As a church makes disciples, the needs within the church increase. Third thing I would say to you is that serving within the church, based on those needs, serving within the church is an expectation in Scripture and it's actually the launching point for ministry outside the walls. Serving within the church is an expectation in Scripture. It's actually a launching point for ministry outside the walls. So uh, we've kind of adopted a model here. We think everybody needs to worship uh, at least once a week. We think everybody needs to have a time of discipleship or learn once a week. And we think everybody needs to serve at least once a week. Okay? It, it, that's requirement for everybody. And you're like, why, 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 why? Because it's just expected in Scripture. So how are the needs met of a growing church? Well, you turn within. They turned within. They looked at the people there. Find me seven men full of the Spirit. Cool. You guys figure it out. And it wasn't just that deacons were elected to just look after widows. It was that deacons were elected to man, just go figure this stuff out. We, we, we get, listen, Jesus gave us authority. We're giving you authority. You go figure out how to deal with this problem. And then they, they start dealing with all kinds of problems in the church. They become ministers of the gospel, right? It's really cool. So, so it all kind of begins there uh, within the church. And so that's what churches do. Guys, you look inside. We saw this in Ephesians 4. Uh, we have literally looked at this scripture almost every week in this series. Here is Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. It says, He himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, some to be teachers, to equip the saints, that's the people within the walls, 
for the work of ministry. That's also ministry within the walls, right? To build up who? The body of Christ, right? So the expectation of Scripture is that as needs arise within the church, the people in the church are going to meet the needs, right? Not the, not the pastors of the church will meet all the needs. Impossible. But, but the, there'll be a building up uh, from pastors, from teachers, from leaders. There'll be an equipping of saints, and the saints will go, and there'll be problem solvers for the church. Can I ask you a hard question? Do you consider yourself a problem solver for the church? Or do you just look for people to tell you exactly what to do? Because it's easy. Right? You've got to be a problem solver for that. Hey, I see a need. Man, I'm just going to go fix this thing. Right? Because I own this too. Right? Because I own this too. Uh, and this is, this is the pattern of, of the New Testament. I've got to watch my time. So, but this is the pattern. So it, beginning in the church, I'll give you a couple examples. You guys can take a, a deep dive when you go home and, and you read through your uh, questions. Uh, but let's start with these, uh, these seven guys set apart. One of those guys' name is Stephen. Uh, so Stephen begins his ministry just ministering to these widows. Um, but man, he is powerful in the Word. And, and so later, Stephen is going to preach. Uh, they're going to kill him for it, by the way. Uh, but he's going to preach one of the most powerful sermons in the book of Acts. Uh, and then he's going to be stoned to death. Another guy out of that group, a persecution will break out after that. Another guy out of that group named Philip, who was just a servant, uh, is going to then go uh, as, as the church is being persecuted. And in Samaria, he's going to start one of the biggest churches that's going to rival the size of the church in Jerusalem. So much so, the people in Jerusalem come in like, wait a second, I, I don't, is, it, is it possible for Samaritans to have Jesus? Jesus, like we have Jesus, and they're like, yeah, it is, and and so uh, and then and then later, God's going to call him to a desert road where where he runs beside a chariot because he hears a guy reading from Scripture, doesn't just running next to him. Hey, can I explain that to you, man? Would you like to know what it says? And and then he shares the gospel with this eunuch from Ethiopia, right? And he, he's going to baptize him right there, out in the middle of nowhere. Really, really cool. And and we we see the same thing with a guy named Saul who, granted, is not in the church yet. He's persecuting the church. But when he comes to know Jesus in a radical fashion, he then puts himself in church to learn. And it's there when he is in church, the Holy Spirit says, set aside this guy and Barnabas, and they're going to go start new churches everywhere amongst the Gentiles. The church has always been a ground where people are equipped to go, Right? Some of you hear that and you go, no, that's not me, Pastor. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going. I'm not, I'm not going to Africa. I'm not going. That's, that's the first thing in your mind. I don't know why that is. Why is it the first? I'm just talking about going down the street. I'm talking about going to Maynard. I'm talking about going to Taylor. Like, like listen, we are called to go into Austin. I mean, we, we got we to gotta go in Elgin first. And that's where it starts, by the way. There, there's a pattern to it. Acts 1.8 says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Uh, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so I just, just want you to understand, as a church grows, needs arise. And it's God's intent that you fill those needs. And that you learn to serve in the local church. And listen, I believe with all my heart, God will use your acts of service as a launching point into your community. But it starts in your community. It starts in your church, and it bleeds out into Elgin, right? And then it'll bleed out and Demainer, and Taylor, and wherever else you are, okay? And that's the way that it works. Serving within the church, expectation, it's the launching point of ministry outside the walls. Fourth thing, guys. 
we do this, we do this service to our church uh, by meeting the greatest needs and by using our spiritual gifts. Those are meant to be two separate things. Don't read that they have to go together. It's great if they can, uh, but there's really two categories here. So we, we, we meet the needs that grow in the church, that arise uh, in, 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 in two ways, right? So, so we're going to meet the greatest needs just head on. Um, and then also we can use our spiritual gifts. And so Acts chapter 6 is a great example, right, that deacons come up. And the reason there are deacons because there's a great need, right? And, and it, it, you notice if you, if you go read Acts chapter 6, the only qualification at that point, at that moment, now we can go read Timothy and, and listen to what Paul writes, but in that moment they just wanted seven men full of the Spirit. That's it. Just give us dudes full of the Holy Spirit. That was a qualification, y'all. And it didn't say that they had to have the spiritual gift of service. No. Just seven dudes full of the Spirit. Go fix a problem. Right? It was just, man, there is a great need. And this thing that God is doing is going to fall apart if the people of God don't step up and start taking on some of these problems. If it's all on the apostles, we're going to fall apart. I need you to take ownership. Own a problem. Go solve it. I give you all authority to do that. And man, those guys killed it. Man, they did it. And the Bible says that God kept adding to their number every day. Because of the ministry that was going on through the people of God, right? And so I'm just going to tell you, that's a huge thing in church. Now, here's the problem. Uh, a lot of times we don't like to serve greatest need, right? I'll talk about that in a second. We'll come back to it, so just know. Just pastors put the point down, so just know, all right? Okay, second thing, though. Second way we serve is out of what we call spiritual gifts. Uh, now, some of you are here, and, and you've been doing the Christian thing for a while. You know what your spiritual gifts are. Right? You've read there's basically three primary passages that lift the spirit, list the spiritual gifts. And, and so there's Ephesians chapter 4 uh, that talks about roles and offices. Then there's 1 Corinthians chapter 12, talks about some of the manifestational gifts. And then there's Romans 12. All right? uh, and so those are kind of the three primary passages we go to to look for what the spiritual gift lists are. So uh, you go check those out. In fact, they're in your notes. You can check them out. You can read them. Uh, that, 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 that's awesome. Um, we also have on our website, by the way, because we want you to know your gifts. Um, you can now go to fbcelgin.org on the main homepage uh, down there in, in the descriptions. Uh, there's a little link to LifeWay Spiritual Gift uh, Test. You can do your own assessment. You can grade it yourself. You can know what your gifts are, which is really cool. And then you can let us know, hey, I didn't know that I was gifted in hospitality, but I am. Uh, we'd love to put you to work in your area if there's not a greater need somewhere else, right? So we, we ultimately want people serving out of giftedness, but that's not the only place to serve, which is kind of the final point, and it's a warning, okay? And, and I'm going to give you the warning before I give you the point. Uh, the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is right after chapter 12, where he explains all the spiritual gifts, he says, hey, the greatest gift, the greatest of more importance than all that stuff I just talked about, including speaking in tongues, is love. Love builds up, knowledge puffs up. All right? So love is actually more important. So here's the last thing I'm going to say to you guys, is that knowing our spiritual gifts doesn't, you could put never releases, it doesn't release us from our basic Christian responsibility, okay? Knowing our spiritual gifts doesn't release us from our basic Christian responsibility. Um, so I'm going to pick on a friend of mine who's 
doing ministry, and he's, you know, just ahead of me. Uh, I was, uh, when, I, when God called us to Borger, uh, they hired me to go, to go build up a Wednesday night program for kids, like that, for students. That, that was it. They said, hey, we want to have the premier program in town, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it was an old building. It had been there for a long time, center block everywhere, and then they wanted me to build a worship center. And so I got to knock out 13 walls. Um, we got to build our own stage. We put in lights and projectors and you name it. We, we had bands drive from all over the panhandle every night. It was awesome. Our first night, we had like 140 kids show up. So it was pretty cool, right? It was, it was a really cool thing. So uh, in, in Borger, though, as we're doing that, I remember we had had a, a drop, uh, like somebody had dropped, a, like we didn't have an elevator. So we had to take uh, all of the sheetrock that came in and carry it up three flights of stairs. We were on the third floor. And as we're dealing with this crazy sheetrock, my senior pastor walks in, and we're like about to lose it. And we're like, hey, can you give us a hand? And he goes, oh, yeah, absolutely. Father, I pray for him right now. And he just kept walking to his office. And that's kind of funny, but it's also reflective of a lot of people that know their giftedness in the church. It's reflective of their attitude. Oh, no, that's not for me. I'm a teacher. Oh, no, 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 you must misunderstand. I, my office is pastor. I don't do toilets. Right? You follow me? And, and listen... Knowledge puffs up. That's puff up, man. She'd been, oh, absolutely, brother. Let me, let me help you. I mean, you're about to fall over, dude. I'm all in, right? And, 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 and that's what I'm saying to you guys. It's so important. Listen, just because you don't have the gift of hospitality doesn't mean, that doesn't free you from the responsibility of greeting people in your pew. It doesn't. Just because you don't have the gift of generosity doesn't free you from the command to give. It doesn't. Just because you don't have the gift of evangelism, meaning that you literally uh, have this supernatural ability to lead people to Christ, just because you don't have that gift doesn't, doesn't like, release you from the call of God to go and make disciples, to go and be a witness. That's still a command for you, right? And, and so knowing my gift doesn't release me from all the other stuff that I now deem as little because I'm so gifted, right? It's really important to know. So when we talk about a growing church, and we talk about needs that arise in a growing church, I'm going to ask you unapologetically at times to just suck it up and get it done, right? To, to, to listen, what, what is it Philippians 2? Have the same attitude of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, considered that nothing and made himself a servant to the point of death? Because that's the role, right? That's the role. See, otherwise we think that we've made it in the spiritual journey. You remember the first step on the pathway? Worship Jesus as... It's an L word. There we go. So worship Jesus as Lord. I, I told you the story of ten lepers. All were cleansed. Only one was saved. Right? That one dude was saved because he came back, he fell at the feet of Jesus and gave him everything. Man, you're everything to me. That's a far cry from somebody that says, no, not for me. No, Jesus, I'll give you everything, Lord, except those toilets. Nope, that's not me. Except those diapers. Nope, that's not me. Right? Except those senior adults. Nope, that's not me. So guys, I'm just going to tell you, if, if, if you're all in, and we've got a lot of people right now saying, I'm all in, man, I'm all about it. You're going to have to be all in. Because needs are going to continue to arise every single day in the church. That's how it's going to work. So uh, let, me, let me tell you, I'll, I'll show you where we are on the chart. Uh, this is where we began. 
Uh, worship, learn, serve. Worship Jesus as Lord. Worship Jesus in community as a member of His church. Uh, learn, we talked about um, incidental transformation. That's I just show up and God changes me because I'm putting myself in the path and intentional. Uh, I start to live in relationship. I reveal things about myself to others. I invite them to, to look into my life and show me my blind spots. And so we kind of got into all that. Then we talked about all the offerings that are coming uh, for the church where we, our role in it, is to offer these areas of transformation unto you. And we're working on all those classes diligently as we speak. Uh, so that puts us here, uh, which is serve, step one, which is serve my church. And again, I'm going to say unapologetically, it's got to start there. Sometimes I'll have somebody come to me and say, Pastor, I've got a great idea for, minist uh, for ministry in the community. I think that we should, and when they say we, they always mean me. I'm not joking. I think the church... Should, I'm like, wait, the church, you're, you're part of the church, right? I think the church should have this ministry to so-and-so and do that. And that's their idea. And I'm like, that's awesome. Do you want to do, do some research on that? Uh, like maybe head up that program? And they're like, no, that's not what I meant. Like I just, I just meant, I meant the church should do something about it. I mean something, right? That's great, but we are the church. And, and here's what I say to those people in love. Like, listen, as soon as you are serving somewhere actively in this body right now, meeting uh, like needs that you don't want to meet in love, then, then I'm going to trust you enough to go outside the walls and represent us. Okay? As soon as you're willing to do whatever it takes here to make all of this work, then I'm going to trust you enough to go represent us outside the walls in, 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 a, in an actual ministry that has our name. You guys follow me? Like that's, that's kind of how that works. That's kind of how that works. And so, uh, so, so that's where we are uh, so there's some application, guys. Number one, I, I want to challenge you this week to really think about this question. Am I a willing servant? Reluctant or willing? Right? Am I a reluctant servant or am I willing? A willing servant is willing. There's no, you, you, there, there's no way, we don't, we don't change that at all. Willing. I, am I a willing servant? What is a willing? A willing servant is a handful of people, uh, when, we, when we did the ministry surveys, that said, I will do whatever you need. Wherever you need it, do not care. Don't care, right? Uh, so I'm going to pick on a few people uh, just in love. So uh, Jeff Carter didn't, didn't know. He didn't know that I was going to do this. Uh, but Jeff, uh, at the beginning, we said, hey, we need you to serve everywhere. Jeff is one of the guys that said, I'll serve wherever. And man, you know, coming out of COVID, I'm going to get plugged back in. I'm doing this, 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 and this. And he's been literally serving anywhere the doors are open. He's serving with kids right now on Wednesday nights. He's got like fifth and sixth graders, which is... Hello, uh, and, and they, they're nuts. I mean, I love them. They're nuts. And, and every Wednesday night, uh, he, he stepped in and, and taught like fourth and fifth graders a few Sundays ago. Uh, Friday, he went and picked up furniture for the new building, which evidently you can't order things and they show up on a regular basis anymore. Either they're here today or they'll be there in 12 months. Like, like there's no middle ground. And so, uh, so Jeff's unloading things. He's cooking on Wednesday night. Like he, he just like, hey, I'm going to do it all, right? I'm just going to do whatever you want me to do. Our staff is that way. Hey, whatever, whatever I need to fill in. We all, John filled in for me last week. Uh, three weeks ago, I, I taught pre-K on Wednesday night instead of my re-engage class. It was awesome. Play-Doh rocks, right? And so had a great job. Uh, man, me and the Frankie kids, we are tight now. We are tight. And uh, Addie, where are you at, girl? Mm -hmm. you stole my Play-Doh, didn't you? Yep. yep. Look at that little face. That's what I'm talking about. She kept smashing everything I made. It was awesome, right? I love Brandon, one of my good friends. One of the things he'll say to me on a regular basis is we have things that need to be done. He'll just come and do them. And I'm like, hey, can we pay you something? He's like, dude, 
This is his phrase. He says, this is my father's house too. Man, that's good. It's the attitude, right? Man, whatever you need me to do, I am in. And that's what it's going to take, y'all. I'm just telling you, the hurdles in front of us, like, like listen, great things are coming, but it ain't going to come easy, right? Everybody's going to have to get uncomfortable. Everybody's going to have to see a need and just fill a need. And if, if there is anything in the church that you're saying, I will not do that, I just think that's a conversation that you and Jesus need to have because it makes me question step one on the journey, right? Worshiping Jesus as Lord. If He's Lord and He says do that, who are we to say no, right? Guys, when I talk about greatest needs, I love you guys. Some of you act like our children are the plague right now. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm just trying to be honest. Uh, here's, here's the state of not our church. Here's the state of the church in America post-COVID. Churches are shutting their doors because families are leaving because nobody will do child care. It's the truth. Churches in Austin, San Antonio, and Houston have had to shift to paying child care workers just to keep the doors open. That's the truth. In every pastor I know that their church is mildly successful right now, in budget 23, they're actually budgeting for child care workers on certain nights because they just cannot get the volunteers on a consistent basis. That's the truth. Now, you don't have to like it. You can try to reject it. But post-COVID, that is the state of the church in the United States of America. It just is. Right? And I think a big part of that is we just have this thought of, I'm only going to serve where it makes me comfortable. Right? That's what I'm going to do. So I'm, I'm pumped when you're willing but I, I want to I add just, if there's anything, you say, nope, not that. That's, I think that's a conversation with Jesus. I'm not saying you have to. Some of you, God bless you, I'm not going to let you work with kids. Uh, <laughs> I, I love the children too much for that. And I love you too much for that. I don't want you to like have a, a mental meltdown that early, right? And you're like, like so, so but, but for others, it's just, it's just a matter of, no, I, I don't want to do that. And I, I don't think we get the opportunity to tell Jesus no. And maybe I read the Bible different than you. But I think when we have greatest needs, we step up and go, man, I'm all in. Wherever you need me, I'm, I'm here to do it. And, and I think you'll be shocked at how well the Lord uses you. So that's the first, is, is just be a willing servant in church. He, 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 if, you're, if you're struggling with that concept, I'll, I'll put some skin on, in it for you, okay? Imagine the pastor saying, let's pick let's, my senior adults and just go, no, I've heard enough hymns. I'm never doing any of those again. Right? I've been to enough potlucks. I'm done. I'm not doing that anymore. That would be... Man, I would leave that church, by the way. Like, that's crazy, right? And yet, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, our model, says, let the children come to me, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And we're like, nah. Can I get a different translation? Okay, so I'm just going to tell you guys, that's where our community is coming. We, we're going we're gonna to have to embrace it, or we're going to be in worlds of hurt, all right? So, uh, be a willing servant too. Um, uh, find a place to serve regularly in church. So on the website, same place, go to fbcelgin.org. On the homepage uh, is an updated ministry survey. You don't, we're not dictating what days you have to serve now because uh, we, we've already kind of got our bones in. Uh, remember, we're practicing now who we're going to be then, so we've kind of got the bones of that figured out. Uh, but we've still got lots of opportunities to serve, so all that's been updated. Included in that update uh, is we are launching here in the next month-ish. I'm going to say month-ish. Uh, we hope to, during this time period, uh, 
actually launch a prayer ministry. It's a place you could serve in prayer. At 945, we'll have an open room for you, and you can start praying uh, for the communities surrounding the new building. Uh, we're hoping to, to have names of people, those kind of things. So, so like literally, you can take on a prayer ministry of the church. So there's lots of places you could serve. That's awesome. Uh, lastly, guys, I would challenge you uh, to, to take time this week to discover your spiritual gifts so that you could use them. Listen, if uh, we are in need of some teachers and small group leaders, um, we need those people. And so if you have that gift of, of whether that's hospitality and you go, yeah, we could open up our home or you have the gift of teaching and, and you want to help facilitate a group, um, we could use that. So figure out your gifts and then let us know. Hey, hey, pastor, it says I'm a teacher. I don't know what that means. That kind of freaks me out. And, and we'll, we'll talk with you about how to do that. So we'd love to do that for you this morning. Guys, I'm going to pray for us. And, uh, and then we've got, um, we've got our big give update, our building update. And then Miss Catherine will be in here for a couple quick announcements. Father, um, I know that's, that's tough, Lord. It's tough to hear about service. It, it's tough to feel like um, somebody might be calling us out. But, but like, literally, that is what your word does, and it's good for us. It's good for our minds to be transformed. It's good for us to have to look at something and go, why am I unwilling, Lord, when you were so willing? Like, if, I, if I'm going to call myself by your name, if I'm going to be a little Christ, I've got to have the same attitude as you. So, Lord, if there is any thing in us, any uh, attitude in us, any, any past hurt in us, any thought like, hey, been there, done that in us, like whatever it is that would possibly keep us from being the people you are calling us to be, God, I pray in, that in grace you would drive it out in us and you would replace it with your attitude, with your heart, with your tenderness and compassion, that we would be those kind of people. And Lord, as you do that, I cannot wait to see what you do with us, Lord. We love you. It is in your name that we pray these things. Amen, amen, amen. Last thing I would say to you guys, um, we had some people uh, that we say worship, learn, and serve. You do need to be doing one of those each every week. Uh, you can do a couple of those, though. So you can't, like, learn twice at the sake of not serving, but, and, and we don't want you serving twice at the sake of not worshiping. Uh, but, but there are opportunities that sometimes you can, if you already have a learned environment, that you, you can take on another service opportunity. So pray about those things. Like I said, we've got lots of opportunities left, so uh, that is awesome. Okay, uh, let's get to this construction update. Uh, October 30th, that's today. Uh, that means that Fall Festival is tomorrow, by the way. Speaking of serving, we need a handful more of cars. So we could use about four more vehicles. Just throw that out there. Uh, Catherine will say that in a second. Okay, October 30th. So here is where we were uh, two months ago. August 28th, we were putting steel up. Uh, here's where we, yeah, August 28th, we steel up. This is where we were last month. Uh, we had kind of the, the, the it's exterior sheetrock is what it is on the outside. There. We still had a huge gaping hole. Massive hole, uh, no structural design. Okay, here's where we are this morning. That hole has been finished. It's ready to go. Uh, okay, so the gray stuff, y'all, that's the final color. So that's called ephus. It's a real hard, like, texture. They spray on the top of the foam. Yeah, it becomes hard like rock. It's really, really cool. So the, the top uh, portion of the, of the church will be dark gray. So that's stuff on... Your left-hand side up there, that hasn't been finished yet, so they'll put a top coat on it, they'll spray the ephus on it, then that'll be done. Uh, you may be able to, do we have another picture? Is that, that's probably the only one I did. Um, the, the rock, uh, the stone is on site, and so um, once they finish the ephus, they'll start laying the stone, which will go all the way up to where the gray is, uh, be a big capstone, and then they will place, the doors and windows are available, but um, they're on like, like if you scratch them, 
it's like eight to ten weeks to get them back. So they're like, we're going to put all the stone up first, and then we'll very carefully insert the doors and windows, which I think is wise at this point, all right? So uh, uh, our, our, our date now has been pushed back from February to March. Um, just kind of know that. Uh, the other big news you should know, I think this week we're making the decision. Uh, we are ordering a playground soon. Uh, actually, multiple play spaces. And you won't have to walk across a busy parking lot to get to them. Yeah! Right? No kid uh, Frogger. No, no, we won't do that anymore. Uh, it'll be good. Uh, there'll be access points outside of that. So all that stuff is coming, guys. Um, we're getting furniture. Again, we've already ordered uh, most of the furniture inside. And so uh, the Lord is good and kind. Um, your staff may all be officing in one office when this is said and done. There are evidently no storage facilities left in Elgin. So, uh, so Pastor John has moved out of his office gracefully. Fully, uh, graciously, and uh, and it is now filled with furniture. And uh, my office is next. Yay! So uh, so we're moving on. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. So um, just continue to pray for us. Every day here is an opportunity for us to get more flexible and more flexible. And uh, it's been good. Here's what we're going to do, guys. On these Sundays, we ask everybody to give um, something. And I know it's the end of the month. Maybe the Lord's provided you with a little something left over. Maybe you're one of those families you already had prayed about. Hey, we're giving this every month, um, and we're going to give you an opportunity to do just that. Um, I'll put a QR code up on the screen, but you can also use the envelopes in front of you that say crossing over. And so I want to just remind you, every little bit helps. Uh, kicking in this month, y'all, we start making interest payments. Okay? So we're now drawing on the loan, so we're going to start having to pay interest payments every month. So uh, that is a real deal. <laughs> Um, it's a real deal. When we have our budget meeting uh, towards the end of the year, we'll talk about how real of a deal that is. Um, but we just trust the Lord for it. So um, whatever God lays on your heart this morning, we're going to ask that you would give above and beyond that tithe. And um, I'm going to ask the Lord to bless it. And we'll give you about 30 seconds to do that. Then Catherine's got some announcements. Father, thanks for loving us. What an opportunity, Lord. Um, most churches that have been around this long don't get an opportunity to do what we're about to do. Uh, I, I hear the horror stories from Austin. Uh, it seems like on a weekly basis of churches our age, they're actually closing doors and, and they're, they're ceasing to exist. And God, here you are calling us into more. And so, Father, what an exciting opportunity. I pray that you would um, take these gifts. I pray that you would multiply them, use them for your kingdom and your cause. Bless every single family that is giving above and beyond their tithe this morning. God, take it and, and I, just multiply it. Multiply it, Father. We pray that Elgin would be changed because of what you want to do in us and through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.